Well, I'm Pastor Norm Oberlin. I'm the lead pastor here at the Hope, and I'd like to welcome everyone to our Easter Sunday celebration, or as we like to call it in the church, Happy Resurrection Sunday. Amen? Amen. What's so important about Resurrection Sunday? Simply this. If there was no resurrection, then Jesus was just another rabbi, a teacher, even as some called him a rabble-rouser who was trying to gather a following. But as the skit guy said in the video, the tomb was what? Empty. And because it was empty, that means that Jesus can and is doing what he said he was going to do. Remember when the angel took him to heaven? When he ascended? Where did he say he was going? The right hand of the Father where he could make intercession. Be praying for us. And he told his disciples in John 14, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And in my Father's house are more than enough rooms for everyone. And that's the good news today. God wants us to give him our empty hearts so that he can fill them full with his power, his love. Can I get a good amen? Amen. There are some, though, who do not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. You may be here today, and you might be one of those who don't believe that the tomb was empty. Or if it was empty, you attribute it to some kind of chicanery that the disciples did to try to hide the body. How many have heard that story? I want to help you with your unbelief today. I want to share some what I call proofs that argue against what I have heard come from non-believers, from atheists, from the, the agnostics even. At the end of this message, I want to give you the opportunity to believe, to put your trust in Jesus, who I believe is our risen Savior. Hallelujah. Let's begin with the Gospel of Luke. And by the way, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all basically say the same thing. It's a little different perspective in each one, but each one is very similar. And of course, it talks about what happened on Resurrection Sunday. I want to begin with Luke 24. And what I love about Luke is that he loves to make the underdog the hero. And in this case, it happens to be the women. You know, women are important to Jesus. The Jewish people always kind of put them down. The, the, the leaders always put the women down because even the, the girls were not taught in the school, in the Jewish school. Only the young men. But when you read Luke's story, the Gospel of Luke, you see that women were very important 
to Jesus, and they were his followers, just like the men. So let's begin with verse 1, and I'm going to put this up behind me. But very early on Sunday, everybody say early on Sunday, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. So what does that mean? It means that they were going to do the rest of the burial rite. They would have taken the spices if they didn't think Jesus' body was still there. Right? Verse 2, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Uh-oh, Chango. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Do you know how to say that one? <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm going to add lib a little bit, okay? <laughs> So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, if you were one of his disciples and you were expecting to find his broken body, what would you be saying at this point? Something's wrong, right? As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. I love this part. You know, Jesus is surrounded by angels today. We're going to be too one day. Luke 24, verse 5. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Can you say alive with me today? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Say that part underlined. He is risen from the dead. Hallelujah! And then they reminded the women, remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had indeed said this. It's all coming together, isn't it? First, Jesus told his disciples in advance. He prophesied that he was going to die on the cross, be buried, and then rise again on the third day. His disciples, however, didn't understand what Jesus was saying at the time. They hadn't figured it out, but later they did. The angel simply repeated what Jesus had prophesied about himself. He prophesied that he was going to have to suffer. Nobody understood this. He told them that he was going to have to die. They certainly didn't get that part. And then he told them that he was going to be raised from the dead. And of course, very few people were raised from the dead. So this was as far out of their mind as anyone could imagine. According to the Bible, it had to happen this way. If we were going to one day be resurrected from the dead, Jesus had to go through this. And we went through a really intimate time Friday talking about how Jesus did that. His death and his burial. But here's the good news. Everybody say good news. The grave was empty because Jesus was alive. Now, I like to use Scripture to back up Scripture, and I just wanted to share a, a little bit from the Apostle John, who 
And this particular passage was speaking to the seven churches in the first century. Revelation 1, 4 through 6 says this, Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. From the sevenfold spirit before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things. Now note the things that are underlined. The first to rise from the dead. Would you say that out loud? The first to rise from the dead. And the ruler of all kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He made a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Now note that when... John wrote this, it was approximately 90 A.D. It was way after Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. But John knew. Who was John, by the way? John, in the, in the Gospels, who do they say he is in John? The disciple Jesus loved. He was the one that was really, really, really close to Jesus. So who else would know better that Jesus wasn't in that tomb anymore. He was alive. And that's what John is saying here. And he's, he's saying these things as he's hearing it from the Spirit. The Spirit is downloading this, this into his heart. And it, it's the book that we call the book of Revelation. Revelation meaning God's knowledge. God is showing us what's to come. Say this with me. Without the resurrection... There would be no church of Jesus Christ. Does this make sense? If Jesus had not come back from the dead, then his message about the kingdom of God would have died with him in the grave. But the good news, <laughs> he's alive. Jesus is alive. Feel free to clap whenever you are encouraged to do so. Hallelujah. Now, there have been many attempts from non-believers to make it appear that Jesus' disciples got rid of the body to make it look like he rose from the dead. I ran across this video on uh, Babylon B, and I'm putting this up because I don't know how long it'll stay up there on our, on our website, uh, just in case the... Facebook, please pull it off. But um, anyway, this is where you can go to watch this whole thing if it's missing. So just so you know that. But as I watched this, I thought, how ridiculous is it that someone would say the disciples would just steal the body and make it look like Jesus was resurrected? So without any further ado, would you go ahead and play that video? I could have tried to say that in, in words, but I just, after seeing this, I had, how ridiculous would it have been for the disciples to have tried to pull off this hoax? Do you see the, the, the idiocy of this? I mean, it's, it, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't be the most intelligent thing for them to do, right? They had nothing to gain from Jesus' body not being found other than maybe saving face because they, they walked with him for over three years 
professing him as the Messiah. And now, what happened? Jesus went to the cross. That was the most humiliating punishment anyone could go through. It was designed for criminals. You can't come back from that. Unless, <laughs> unless Jesus came back from the grave. Then it makes all kinds of sense. Would you agree with me that nobody would willingly give their life for a cause that is not true? Put yourself in the place of those who lived in the first century. Whether it was the disciples or even the followers of Christ that were brought on beyond them through their ministry. Every disciple died, was killed for their faith, with the exception of John, and they tried to kill John three times, but he kept coming back to life. Why? Because God needed him to write the last book, the book of Revelation. And he was exiled to... The island of Patmos. That's what they were, the humor at the end of that little clip. That actually happened. Not only did all of the disciples give their lives, but tens of thousands of people, followers of Jesus, who said, Yes, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and make me a new person. Tens of thousands died for their faith. Does anybody die for somebody who isn't real? No. That would be idiotic, as that clip showed. People don't do that unless they are convinced about the one that they believe in. The Bible declares that after Jesus came back from the dead on that Sunday morning, and over the next 40 days, listen to this, he appeared to over 500 people. Over 500 people saw him after in his new body, or not quite new body, he hadn't been glorified yet, he said this, I'm going to share this part in just a minute. After he had come back from the dead, do you think you could get 500 people to tell a lie that quickly? In 40 days, convince 500 people, hey, you, you got to go along with this hoax. No, not unless they saw him in what I'll call the flesh. Let's start with John 20. Here's one of the people. People like Mary Magdalene that saw Jesus. John 20, verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she stooped and looked in. <laughs> she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been laying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied. I don't know where they have put him. Again, we see distraught women looking for the body of Jesus. 
Now, if you were writing this story, if you were trying to convince people, knowing it was a hoax, wouldn't you make this a little easier and just have the people go in and Jesus is gone? But he shows the emotion. He shows that they were really looking for the body because they hadn't heard yet. They hadn't figured it out yet with their head and their heart that what Jesus was saying actually came to pass. But watch what happens next. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. Woohoo! It was Jesus! But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go and get him. She's still not figuring it out. I love this part. Here's the light bulb moment. Mary. That's all he had to say. Mary, Jesus said. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher. Now this next verse, we see that she must, must have immediately latched on to him. You get what I'm saying? Like, like some of us do. Don't cling to me, Jesus said. He wouldn't have said that if she wasn't got the vice grips on him. I ain't letting go. Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave him, gave them this message. Each gospel shows how Jesus met with his disciples after he came back from the dead. The bottom line is is that they believed. Some like Thomas only after having put his fingers in the wounds of Jesus. Nevertheless, he believed. And after seeing Jesus, the scriptures tell us it was like a light coming on inside of them. And now they fully understood what Jesus was trying to tell them when he was with them. I'm going to have to die. I'm going to be crucified. But take hope. After I'm buried, three days later, I will come back from the dead. Again, using scriptures to confirm scripture. Acts 1.3, this is Luke who wrote this book, and he said this, he said, during the 40 days, say it with me, after his crucifixion, he, Jesus, appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was what? Alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. As we read the Scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And then following the epistles, epistles of the writings of the apostles, we see that Jesus didn't stay in the grave. 
He arose from the dead on that third day. How many disciples saw Jesus alive? Over. How many have been listening? Over. 500. Thank you. Now one last proof text, and this is jumping into one of the epistles. I'm going to share a little bit from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. And listen to this. I love the Apostle Paul because he's, he's not the kind of guy you would want writing about you because he was an enemy of the church to begin with. He was a zealous Jewish leader and he actually persecuted the church. He even stoned one of Jesus' disciples and his name was Stephen. Paul stood aside with Stephen's clothes laying at his feet while stones were being thrust at him. Deadly stones. I love, Peter, I love Paul. I love his story. Because once he was an enemy, but he became a follower of Jesus. He believed that Jesus was the Christ. And I want you to listen to what Paul says about the resurrection of Jesus. I'm going to begin with verse 3. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive. At, well, Paul was writing this, of course, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by the, all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Now listen to what he says about himself. For I am the least of the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church. Now, if you see someone who's turned 180 and their whole story has changed, first he thought that the followers of Jesus, Jesus himself, they were corrupt. They were ruining the Jewish faith. Now he believed there was no other way but through Jesus to get to heaven. He did a complete 180. Would you say with me that that's a pretty important proof? You don't get people to say this stuff unless they really believe it. Jumping down to verse 12, listen to the rest of Paul's reasoning when it comes to Christ rising from the dead. But tell me this, since we preach Christ that rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is what? Useless. And your faith is what? Useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. 
Let me say that again. For we have said, God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are what? Lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But don't despair. The next verse, my favorite verse in this passage. But in fact, say it with me, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Can I get a shout? Come on! The grave is empty and Jesus is alive. He's alive. All of these others worship gods who are dead, and I say little g-gods. We serve the one true God who is alive. And He came not just so that He could raise, be raised from the dead, but He came so that He could give us that everlasting life. That's the whole idea behind this. God loves us. And He wants us to live with Him forever, but we can't enter heaven without being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It has to happen this way. Otherwise, you're saying that Jesus didn't need to die on the cross. He did it because it was necessary. Jesus Christ is the firstborn of many. He made a way where there was no other way. If Jesus had not come back from the dead, then we would be worshiping a dead God, a dead religion, just like everybody else. But I believe, and I hope you do as well, that as over 500 of His followers believed, and then... Out of the first century church, tens and hundreds of thousands of Christians believed that Jesus came back from the grave and He is alive. As I begin to close, and I would ask everyone here except for Sarah, try not to move around too much if you can. This is an important time of the message. What does all this mean for us? And listen, I could spend weeks on the evidence. But I don't have time today. I, I, I need to get to where I'm heading. Simply this. Jesus came to say that which was lost. The Bible says that all men have fallen short of God's glorious standard. All have sinned. But the Bible also says that the gift of God is eternal life for those who call upon Jesus. 
He came to give his life so that we would have life and life in abundance. He came to replace our darkness with his light. He wants to fill these empty vessels with his glory, with his love, with his power. And what does it take to receive this wonderful life that I'm speaking of here today? Where you and I will be resurrected from the dead on that given day when Jesus comes back for his church without spot or wrinkle. What does it require? It requires that you and I must believe. One more proof before I get to the part where I give you an opportunity to believe. When I was 23 years old, and that was a long time ago, you got my back, don't you, June? She's amening me up here when I said the all a long time ago. Wrestle, 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 wrestle. I didn't know where to turn anymore. My life meant nothing to me. I had two boys, I had a beautiful wife, I had a great job at General Motors, but I was so empty on the inside. I didn't want to go on. And I even thought about ending it. I hadn't thought through how, but I was at that place where I was like, I just, why? Why am I going through this? And a friend of mine, I didn't think he was a friend at the time, but I've shared this before. Jaime, one of my coworkers, he fed my line with, with parts. And that day he came around as he did so many times over about a six-month period. Norman, you need Jesus. He happens to be, I think he was Mexican. His wife said he was, he tried to tell me he was from Spain, but his wife said he was from Mexico. I'm just saying it like it happened. All right. Not saying either one's better than the other. But when he, when he reached out to me that day in my desperate moment, I finally said it. Jaime, tell me about this Jesus. And he said, listen, when we get out of work, I want you to come to my house. We'll have breakfast, and I want to share some things with you. And I did that. I went to his house. We had breakfast. His wife was there, and he opened up those crisp pages in his Bible. You, you know the sound if you have one of these. And he started telling me, like I'm going to do with you in just a minute, about how much God loved me and how God had made a way for me to be forgiven of all of this stuff I was carrying, the darkness that was inside of me, that it would be replaced with love and light and mercy. And I said yes to Jesus that morning. My life 
was changed. I was a new person. The old man was dead. The new man in Christ was alive with Jesus. And you can have that same salvation experience. God died for you. Have you taken advantage of this yet? Or are you still sitting there trying to do it on your own like I was doing when I was 23? It's not worth it. Stop trying to do it on your own. You can't. You need the Lord. You need forgiveness. And you need the love of God to fill you if you haven't already done this. Let me share a a few scriptures and then I'm going to pray with you. John 3, 16 and 17. Very familiar. You see this sign all the time at the, the sports games. For God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you need eternal life today? God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. And now listen to this. Here's the part where it kind of switches a little bit because I hear this argument. Why would God send me to hell if I don't say yes to Jesus? What kind of God would do that? Well, God made a way for you to make it to heaven. But it's only through His Son. No one can come to the Father, Jesus said, but through me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You need Jesus. The next verse, listen to this. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him. By the way, who's saying this? Jesus. These are Jesus' words to the people who were listening to Him that day. But anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for what? Not believing in God's one and only Son. There's the indictment. It isn't God made a way. You need to decide whether you're going to believe or not. If you don't believe, this is what's going to happen. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world. But people love the darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. And listen, I'm going to tell you, I was one of those. I loved to party. I was a drunk on weekends. I did other things we won't get into. But let me just say this. This was me. Every time Jaime came around to tell me about Jesus, this was me. I don't want to give up my cool life of partying and puking and blah, 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 blah. Until that day that I couldn't take it anymore. And I had to say something. I had to at least hear him out because I was desperate. I'd had it with all of Satan's tricks with the darkness that the world offered, and I knew it was time for this man to change. And the only hope I had was to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And hear this part, not only did it change my life, but it changed my marriage because we were ready to get divorced. 
And you may be in here today and you and your wife or husband may be at that place where you're just gnawing at at each other. You need Jesus. Because you know what He did after He poured His love in me? He showed me how to pour that love out on my wife, for my wife. My wife became my helpmate. But before that, I didn't know how to love her. Now I knew how to love her. It changed me in a good way. This is what I want for you. Not only did it change our marriage and save it, but it saved my four sons. If I hadn't changed, their life would have been a living hell. Just like some of yours today, where you come home and mom or dad or both are drunk and mad and angry and all you ever hear My kids didn't have to listen to that because Jesus got a hold of my heart. And I was changed. And He'll do the same for you. Why are you living like this when you don't have to? Hello? This is truth. This is my proof. Jesus is real. He did this for me. He did this for my wife. He did this for my boys. And and my grandchildren are living in homes that love God. And they're serving Him. And that can be your story as well. All who hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right Read this last line, verse 21. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they're doing what God wants. God wants you to be saved. What are you doing with that? Do you believe that Jesus is alive? You got to start here. (laughs) This is where you start. You have to believe Jesus is alive. And not only that, but He wants to give you a new life. Life in abundance. Would you stand with me? As we begin this, to wrap this up today, I just want to ask, are you empty? (laughs) Are you like the old Norman? Are you living in misery? Going from party to party, from drink to drink, from blunt to blunt, whatever it is you do to try to entertain yourself. Let me say there's a better way. There is a better way. Say that with me. There is a better way. And that way is Jesus. You're getting it. Jesus wants to fill you with his love today. And I want to ask if you need the Lord. If you're in that place of uncertainty like I was, and you just want to know that if your heart were to stop beating today, and nobody knows when your time is up. I have lost three dear friends just this week. 
people that were young, in my opinion, even younger than me. I know I'm a Thusala to some of you, but what I'm saying is you don't know. Now, I believe these three were right with God. Amen. We're going to see them again. And this is the beauty of this. Those who die in Christ, you will see them again. If, if you cry out to Jesus and invite Him to take over. Let Him have the reins. Let Him have the steering wheel. Let Him have control. So if you're here today and you say that's me, unashamedly, I want you to just lift your hand up. I don't care if people see it. Just raise your hand. Come on. You know you need Jesus. Yes, yes. Any, any others? Yes. They're going up all over the room. Don't, don't let this opportunity. And listen, I'm not trying to badger you. I'm not trying to guilt you into this. I just want, when we get to heaven, I want you to be there. And the only way you're going to do it is if you pray a prayer that I'm going to lead you in in just a moment and put your trust in Him. So anybody else that wants to get in on this prayer, hallelujah. Let me, let me just go one step a little bit further and just say this. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't even know what I want. I, I, I feel like giving up just like you when you were younger. I don't know what to do with this. Would you help me? I'd like to pray with you. Would you unashamedly lift your hand up if you need God today? Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up all over. God bless you. You can put them down. Now I'm going to pray according to scripture. Is that okay? I do this often. I like to read from Romans, the, the words of Paul, Romans 10. And I'm going to start with verse 9. And the Apostle Paul said this, listen, listen to me if you raised your hand. This is what we're going to do. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scriptures say, anyone Anyone who trusts in Him, in Jesus, will never be put to shame. That's the good news. So if you raise your hand and you meant business, I want you to pray this. And I'm going to ask everybody, our family, our church family here to pray with me today, with us together. You ready for this? Say this out loud. If this is you today, if you're praying this to the Lord, just pray it like he's standing in front of you, which I believe he is because scripture says wherever two or more gather in his name, he is there. You may not see him, but you should be feeling him right now. His presence is here and he loves you. You ready? All right, pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus according to John 3.16. Today, I make this public proclamation. I believe with my heart. The evidence proves it. Jesus is alive. He died. He was buried. But he rose from the dead. On the third day. And today, 
He makes intercession for me. Lord, I confess my sin to you, known and unknown. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Make me a new person. I give you my life, my heart, my mind, my soul, my body. I give it to you to bring glory and praise and honor to the holy name of God. And I pray this today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Let me just say this real quick. This is what Easter Sunday is all about. Resurrection Sunday. It's about people giving their lives to the Lord and coming into His kingdom. And listen, the Scripture says that those who made this decision today, the angels are in heaven right now throwing a party for you. They are, they are pumped. They are excited that your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. And from this day forward, you are assigned a place in heaven. And God knows you as His son, as His daughter. You're one of God's kids now. And just like most of us do with our kids, we take care of them. So this is just the beginning. You may think, oh, it's a once and done. No! This is just the start of what God has in store for you. How do you figure out what to do next? Number one, make sure and get one of these. A Bible. I recommend the NIV, the New King James Version, or something similar. I like the NLT myself. And then grab one of these little green booklets called The Start of Something Wonderful, The New Life. We have these for free. You can get one of these on your way out. Make sure and grab one of these. And inside, there are 26 steps, 26 things that you can read about Along with your Bible, it gives all these kind of scripture references so you know that what's being said is truth. Proof. And it's going to help you on your, your new journey that you're beginning today. That is great news, I think. And I am so glad that all of you are able to come today and join us for this beautiful, beautiful Resurrection Sunday celebration. So would you say it with me? Jesus is, alive. Jesus is alive. Now can you say it like you really mean it? Jesus can we get do it one more time? And this time with a little bit of, of, a, of a toot on. Uh, is that thing working? Yeah. All right. Well, then let's do it. A little bit of a toot on the horns. What is it? Jesus is alive. <laughs>